0: Instacart is a very innovative, wonderful company. There is no question. They ramp these guys up quickly. they got them in the business. The retailer has to get on their own or has to use a vendor that can provide a very different service as this industry matures.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mercatus Podcast Digital Grocer, Episode 21. I'm your host, Sylvain Perrier, President and CEO of Mercatus Technologies. And joining me in the studio today is Mercatus's very own Senior Director of Marketing, Mark Fairhurst. Uh,
2: Mark, thank you for joining me. Uh, this, is, I'm, this is, well, you're welcome. This, I'm in the unusual position of uh, assuming your seat on this side of the recording table. Oh, that's great. Do you feel? Do you feel more empowered? Uh, it, it's a little more comfortable sitting <laughs> on this side. But thank you. I, 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 but I, I wouldn't assume uh, any more power than I than I currently have as marketing.
1: Well, that's already a lot to be honest. Yes, yes. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. You know, winter's creeping here in Toronto. Uh, the NFL season is certainly well underway. Uh, mm-hmm. And guess what? Uh, for those of you that watch hockey uh it 's on it 's on yeah it 's on, and I think we I think we all know uh they 're calling for for snow for halloween i 'm not sure if that 's true uh
2: it is yeah the uh the leaves are falling, the rain and the temperatures are plummeting it's uh it's 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 here, so goodbye summer
1: goodbye summer now. In our last podcast, we chatted with the team from Replenium Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and we talked about the value of data, what retailers could be doing with a myriad of streams of data that they're, you know, that they're collecting and how they could turn it into actionable insights and so on. And kind of the one thing that really struck me is, you know, some retailers are just not doing anything with that data or, or turning it, you know, I mean, they may be using it to turn it. Turning it into information from themselves, but I think there's this kind of opportunity for them to kind of push this back out to the market.
2: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and and, and that in that episode, you know, it's just been out. I think a little less than two weeks, and it's it's already generated an overwhelming number of uh, of listens. Based yeah. on our history, it's it's amazing.
1: Well, and that's interesting because I haven't looked at the most recent stats um of our listens but I will tell you I have received a numerous amount of emails and phone calls because of that episode and some have come from ecosystem partners from startups and they're essentially asking very similar questions they're asking about what data should they be collecting what do retailers truly need with the con- in the context of data and, and reporting. And what kind of, and get this, what kind of information are CPG companies looking for?
2: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I, that I don't doubt. And, and you know, this,
1: this one question really stood out and it, and it came in from a phone call from a very early stage startup in Boston. Go Bruins. <laughs> and uh, just right there, I just <laughs> painted a target on myself, saying <laughs> "Go brutal." Right.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and these guys that are that are, are running the startup, they I wouldn't say they're not, you know, younger than you and I. These guys have experience in the space. They've actually had a, a two success successful exits in the past, and they have this really interesting concept. But the question, really fundamentally, that they asked over the phone on Friday of a co- of last week was how come some grocery digital commerce platform providers out there won't partner and have decided to fence off their system. And it kind of dawned on me when they asked that question, that seems to be a question that a lot of amazing third party application plugin providers are asking that question. And that, and that was a question that was kind of around our booth at grocery shop in mm-hmm. Las Vegas. But you know, you when you're in the, in the thick of things and you're meeting retailers and you're meeting potential partners and so on, you just, you know, you're not necessarily so quickly connecting the dots. And I had to explain to the, to these two gentlemen that some, some businesses in this space aren't necessarily geared to serve the retailer. And their needs. And that in the long run, and it's a bit of a prediction here, um, but I've been in this space long enough, that survivability is, for some of these business models is questionable. And it will come at a great cost. And an ecosystem approach and truly like an open mindset to better serve the retailer always wins out.
2: Yeah, and think that is our uh, positioning and, and you know, really everything that we do um, is on the side of the retailer as opposed to, as you said, that, that closed-wall approach.
1: Absolutely. Now, there's one person who gets this. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, his name is Rob Christian. Rob is the CEO of Shop Hero. Uh, and, you know, for the listeners who, who aren't aware of Shop Hero, they're a Utah-based startup providing e-commerce and fulfillment solutions for the grocery industry, now to be completely transparent, uh, they are to a certain extent a competitive mercatus. And I want everyone to to appreciate one thing, um, and this goes to to the core of my own DNA as a businessman. Um, this podcast is truly about the collective, the listeners, and and about moving the industry forward. And so I met Rob during his tenure with my web and eventually uh, when it transitioned over to MI9. Uh, he's a former graduate of Central Michigan U. Um, he's held some amazing positions out there in the industry, um, more notably IRI, Symphony EYC, uh, and Dunhamby. Now, Rob is probably one of the very few other individuals that I know that actually has been in this space. Uh, both on the research side, uh, CPG side, technology side, uh, which is amazing. And he understands probably better than most that you have to put the retailer at the center of the equation. And servicing their needs is everything. Rob, welcome to the show.
0: Well, thank you, Sylvain. And um, I'm glad that you started with the transparency because when I did get your invitation, I said, wow, this is really special, very uh, interesting. And I take my hat off to you for the positioning of serving the industry because you're absolutely right. If um, people don't come together to serve the retailer, then the industry will not grow and it will not be a good thing the providers or for the retailer you know i kind of laugh it's sort of like um you you read these stories about in in world war one when the when the opposing pilots would fly by each other and wave to each other because they both respected their position and they respected the overall engagement so thanks very much for uh
1: having me on the show for this flyby oh you're welcome Um, you're welcome so you know, i i tried the uh waving at instacart people at grocery shop that didn't work out so well they <laughs> <wait>. <laughs> I, think they, I think they
0: waved back but not the way expected them
1: to. Right? exactly so so this interview was completely unplanned and um it wasn't until you posted this amazing uh article on linkedin called ripping off the instacart band-aid i uh Uh, I, Mark actually shared it with me first, uh, via Slack. And, uh, he said, Hey, have you read this article? And I I called Mark and I often call Mark late at night, (laughs) (laughs) much to my wife's chagrin. Uh, well, I won't go into that conversation, (laughs) but anyways, so, and I said to Mark, what do you think if we got Rob on the podcast and Mark's like, yeah, once you want me to reach out to him, I said, no, I'll reach out to him. I got it. So. Early on in your article, you you talk about Walmart's rapid ascent, you know, to the top of the um, I, I want to call it the grocery e-commerce space, but I think it's it's an ascent to something much bit, bigger. I think becoming a dominant player, and you know how their trading blows with Amazon, and you know you allude a little bit in, you know, when you read in between the lines of their purchase of Whole Foods and how it scared many retailers. And really the smaller players, and even to, I would also say to a certain extent from my own experience, the the super regional retailers. What's been the cause and effect from your perspective on that fear?
0: Well, it all begins with uh, just the overall e-commerce phenomena. Um, You know, look at the way our families have changed their purchasing habits. So it begins with the um, ground uh, swelling of just e-commerce overall, but hats off to Walmart, right? So let's name them, Sears, Woolworth, Blockbuster. Um, I, I, I'll never forget being in a Blockbuster store and saying to my son that this business can't survive. This is not a good model. And the cash the cashier is saying, oh no, no, we, we definitely will survive because we know you enjoy the social experience. No, I don't, right? So it's, there's a long list of, of retailers that just did not listen, and Walmart not only listened, but they listened very, very carefully. I think that the um, uh, Amazon buying Whole Foods woke everybody up. Uh, Walmart just happens to have the money, the ability to track great talent, um, to build these things and develop these things on their own. Uh, I've dealt with Walmart for many, many years, and it was always the joke, go into Walmart with a great idea and, you know, they'll, they'll be, certainly be able to to take that idea and run with it and make it the road uh, and hats off to them. Uh, but what's happening now is that there is this war that, uh, as I pointed out in my article, every quarter there is a new bet that's put on the table. The, the ante is getting higher and higher. And um, there's a whole bunch of other retailers out there that are going to end up as collateral damage in that war. Walmart is not aiming at mid market. Uh, Amazon's not really aiming at mid market, but mid market and small retailers will fall out as collateral damage if they don't react
1: to the challenge. And are, are you finding to to kind of stave off this threat that? A group of retailers simply went to Instacart for the sake of surviving, or was it you know, just purely a reaction in the moment?
0: Well, it's a very good question.
1: Um, when the
0: purchase happened, I don't think there uh, was a CEO in the country or a grocery retailer that did not pick up the phone and call his uh, head of dairy, who's been loyal to him, head of meat, head of center store and said, Hey, you're now head of e-commerce, right? We got to get in this. So take it over. And that individual, of course, did not have the background, nor did they have the training to fully understand what it meant to grow an e-commerce business. And the big gap that existed is that CPG wasn't there. So in my career, I've been, as you said, I've been on the CPG side, I've been in the data side, uh, now in the e-commerce side. CPG has always stepped in with category management, with Shopper Insight. They've always stepped in with the money, the people. We'll take over this for you, retailer. Just give me the shelf, give me the display. Um, But that's not the case anymore because there's nothing really to give CPG. As a matter of fact, CPG views e-commerce as a way of getting around the retailer. So without that support, where would they turn to? And Instacart was the very easy decision. Instacart is a very innovative, wonderful company. There is no question. They ramp these guys up quickly. They got them in the business. The retailer has to get on their own or has to use a vendor that can provide a very different service as this industry matures.
1: But do you find in your experience now at Shop Hero that e-commerce, whether whether they're with a third-party vendor or whether they are with an Instacart, is getting the attention it truly deserves at the boardroom table?
0: Um, it varies greatly, um, and, it, and it really is amazing um, how uh, different one retailer is to the next. Uh, I, because of the time and grade that I've had in the industry, I do have the privilege of sitting with a lot of the CEOs in the industry And you have some CEOs that say, we've got to be there. We have to make this uh, a part of our culture, which is another thing that I pointed out in the article, the need to bring it into the culture, just like Dave Dillon, when he was CEO of Kroger, brought Shopper Insight into the culture. But you still have CEOs out there, and especially the CEOs that are under great pressure, uh, that say, look, this is still only representing five, six at best right now, seven, eight percent of my business, I've got to focus on the franchise that keeps me in in business every day. Um, so the attitudes really are all over the place, which is, I believe, part of the challenge for bid market and small uh, grocers.
1: And is this, and is the reason that this isn't moving forward in a, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's not moving forward, but in the sense that it's not, a part of the strategic conversation day to day amongst the senior leaders in the boardroom is that because it's a lack of understanding or fundamentally it's it's permeates itself as being essentially a cultural issue in, in, in their businesses yeah and
0: well don't get me wrong um, there are many grocery retailers that are uh, uh, discussing this in the boardroom and they are taking the action but the ones who are not, I really do believe that is a cultural issue. Uh, The culture of grocery retailers does not support the concept of people getting on a computer and and making a purchase. Um, There's another article that I have up on LinkedIn, if anyone is interested, that talks about how the world of proximity has gone away. Uh, In my years of data, I can tell you that, like, very high in the purchase decision was how far away is that store from me? Well, in e-commerce, now that distance is measured in inches between finger and and keyboard. Um, And and I don't think that grocery retailers are quite getting that if they don't jump in strong, these 50 uh, billion trips that are going to be leaving brick and mortar are going to be up for grabs. And if they don't grab these trips, these trips go away. So I do believe it is a cultural issue. Because this is not the way grocery retailers are used to operating. They're used to flesh-to-flesh uh, contact with their shopper, right? So it is definitely goes against the culture.
1: So, so this is, brings on kind of an interesting question, right? I think when you look in the world of CPG, and, and Rob, you're, you're considerably more of an expert in this space uh, than I am. But when I kind of look at the world of CPG and the big challenge that they're having right now is the lack of of what some of their dollars can do in influence online. And they don't seem to be part of that conversation. So trade and co-op dollars, research budgets um, aren't aren't necessarily part of the e-commerce equation. And so... So any reason or any idea why you think the retailers have not brought the CPGs into the table to be part of that conversation?
0: Well, again, it's it's process and it's culture, right? So in the article, I did point out that part of what has to happen here is that these top-to-tops have to in, in, uh, involve different people than they have in the past. So, um, you know, sitting down with a, a CPG company and having their EVP of sales in the room, um, the the conversation is gonna be around market development fund. Uh, Market development fund is not the trough that the retailer should be tapping into for uh, support with e-commerce. You've got a marketing department that is part of these CPGs. And now that marketing guy has gotta be brought to the table uh, to talk about how they develop their e-commerce business. Um, there's still a little bit of a stack them high, watch them buy uh, mentality. How can I get the best deal? How can I drive my price down to the lowest point? Um, how Will you buy displays? Will you buy shelf space? Will you buy ads? Because this money, quite frankly, is at very much the center of what keeps a lot of grocery retailers going. So those conversations have to keep going. They depend upon that money, but there needs to be, a, 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 um, a parallel conversation
1: and that is not part of the culture today. So you're now running shop hero and you've written this amazing article. So share with our listeners, how do you, how do you pull this bandaid?
0: Yeah. So, um, the first thing is to recognize that the bandaid needs to come off, right? Very easy to wake up every day. Um, and say, you know what, these guys are doing a great job for me. As a matter of fact, I just recently had a conversation with a CXO-level uh, individual at mid-market, and that was one of the statements, you know. It's the part, They just, they do a nice job, you know. They come in, they pick the order, they get it by, they deliver it, people like them, and I don't have to think about it, right? But the reality is, is that you're losing your brand. Right. So, of course, Instacart for larger clients does have a white label solution, but, you know, take your wallet out. It's extremely expensive to engage with them on a white label basis. So um, the first thing that has to happen is just the reality. I can no longer lose my brand. Uh, I have to create a seamless shopping solution. So when my customer comes onto my site, he sees my brand, he or she sees my brand they can shop seamlessly on that same site, and when they hit to purchase, they're not seeing another branding. So that it begins with that. The second piece of this in terms of what needs to be done is to ensure that this topic does have uh, a space at the boardroom um, and that different metrics are being looked at. This is really important. One of the thing that blows me away, and again, I come from a data background also, Um, is how uh, the the retailer is not looking at the e-commerce data. Now, of course, if you're an Instacart customer, you're not even seeing the data, which is another problem. But being able to get into that data and looking at different metrics, you know, who is converting? Is it my best shopper who is shopping e-commerce? What is my growth? What categories are they buying? All of these things have to be analyzed, just like they were analyzed for category management and shopper insight. Um, the difference is, again, there's not CPG resources, CPG money there to help
1: them. That's great. And so if you had to give that one nugget of advice to a retailer that's listening to to this podcast, what's that one thing you would tell them today would respect to your article to be mindful of?
0: Yeah, I, I'm assuming you're talking about retailers that are today Instacart retailers. Um, Absolutely, Yes. I would take a look at when my Instacart contract was ending, and about a year before that contract end, um, or if it's within a year, um, I would I would definitely issue an RFP. I would definitely see different vendors in the industry. Um, you know, you and I sit in a different class of vendor. We're very different in in many ways, and that retailer has to make a decision. Not only on the capabilities of the retailer, but also how well that retailer works with them and how well they can blend within their culture. Uh, but that would be the the first piece of
1: advice I, I would give Instacart retailers. Excellent. Now, R- Rob, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. How can our listeners get a hold of you? Great. Um, I am reachable at rob.christian at shophero.com.
0: Can I give a phone number out on the podcast? Is that Sure. Uh, sure. 908 343 9665. Like Sylvan, I'm one of these
1: 247 guys. So uh, reach out to me and I promise I'll get back. That's amazing. Rob's probably the only guy that breathes and eats and does all those great things with retail. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Sylvan. It was a real honor and a real pleasure. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. And don't forget to download our next episode where I'm sure. Uh, Mark and I will be tackling uh, something that's happening uh, and emerging on the retail landscape. And Mark, um, are we recording our next show in studio in New York? Uh,
2: That's actually, uh, I think we have one more episode planned here. Okay. And then another episode in New York. Yes. Awesome. So how can people get a hold of us, Mark? Usual way. Just uh, go to our website, www.mercadis.com. Shoot us an email. Follow us on our social channels. Thank you everyone.